Chapter Four of *The Prince and the Pauper* by Mark Twain. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Alvin Price. *The Prince and the Pauper* by Mark Twain. Chapter Four: The Prince's Troubles Begin. After hours of persistent pursuit and persecution the little prince was at last deserted by the rabble and left to himself as long as he had been able to rage against the mob and threaten it royally and royally utter commands that were good stuff to laugh at he was very entertaining but when weariness finally forced him to be silent he was no longer of use to his tormentors and they sought amusement elsewhere he looked about him now but could not recognize the locality he was within the city of london that was all he knew he moved on aimlessly and in a little while the houses thinned and the passers-by were infrequent he bathed his bleeding feet in the brook which flowed then where farringdon street now is rested a few moments then passed on and presently came upon a great space with only a few scattered houses in it and a prodigious church he recognized this church scaffoldings were about everywhere and swarms of workmen for it was undergoing elaborate repairs the prince took heart at once he felt that his troubles were at an end now he said to himself it is the ancient greyfriars church which the king my father hath taken from the monks and given for a home forever for poor and forsaken children and new named it christ church right gladly will they serve the son of him who hath done so generously by them and the more that that son is himself as poor and as forlorn as any that be sheltered here this day or ever shall be he was soon in the midst of a crowd of boys who were running jumping playing at ball and leapfrog and otherwise disporting themselves and right noisily too they were all dressed alike and in the fashion which in that day prevailed among serving men and prentices that is to say each had on the crown of his head a flat black cap about the size of a saucer which was not useful as a covering it being of such scanty dimensions neither was it ornamental from beneath it the hair fell unparted to the middle of the forehead and was cropped straight around a clerical band at the neck a blue gown that fitted closely and hung as low as the knees or lower full sleeves a broad red belt bright yellow stockings gartered above the knees low shoes with large metal buckles it was a sufficiently ugly costume the boys stopped their play and flocked about the prince who said with native dignity good lads say to your master that edward prince of wales desireth speech with him a great shout went up at this and one rude fellow said mary art thou thy grace's messenger beggar the prince's face flushed with anger and his ready hand flew to his hip but there was nothing there there was a storm of laughter and one boy said didst mark that 
he fancied he had a sword belike he is the prince himself. This sally brought forth more laughter. Poor Edward drew himself up proudly and said, I am the prince, and it ill beseemeth you that feed upon the king my father's bounty to use me so. This was vastly enjoyed as the laughter testified. The youth who had first spoken shouted to his comrades, O oh, swine, slaves, pensioners of his grace's princely father, where be your manners? Down on your morrow bones, all of ye, and do reverence to his kingly port and royal rags. With boisterous mirth they dropped upon their knees in a body, and did mock homage to their prey. The prince spurned the nearest boy with his foot, and said fiercely, Take thou that! till the morrow come, and I build thee a gibbet. Ah, but this was not a joke. This was going beyond fun. The laughter ceased on the instant, and fury took its place. A dozen shouted, Hail him forth, to the horse-pond, to the horse-pond! Where be the dogs? Ho there, lion, ho, fangs! Then followed such a thing as England had never seen before, the sacred person of the heir to the throne, rudely buffeted by plebeian hands, and set upon and torn by dogs. As night drew to a close that day, the prince found himself far down in the close-built portion of the city. His body was bruised, his hands were bleeding, and his rags were all besmirched with mud. He wandered on and on, and grew more and more bewildered, and so tired and faint he could hardly drag one foot after the other. He had ceased to ask questions of any one, since they brought him only insult instead of information. He kept muttering to himself, Awful Court! That is the name. If I can but find it before my strength is wholly spent and I drop, then am I saved for his people will take me to the palace and prove that I am none of theirs but the true prince, and I shall have my own again. And now and then his mind reverted to his treatment by those rude Christ's hospital boys, and he said, When I am king, they shall not have bread and shelter only, but also teachings out of books for a full belly is little worth where the mind is starved and the heart. I will keep this diligently in my remembrance, that this day's lesson be not lost upon me, and my people suffer thereby. For learning softeneth the heart, and breedeth gentleness and charity. The lights began to twinkle. It came on to rain, the wind rose, and a raw and gusty night set in. The houseless prince, the homeless heir to the throne of England, still moved on, drifting deeper into the maze of squalid alleys, where the swarming hives of poverty and misery were massed together. Suddenly a great drunken ruffian collared him and said, Out at this time of night again, and hast not brought a farthing home, I warrant me. If it be so, and I do not break all the bones in thy lean body, 
then am i not john canty but some other the prince twisted himself loose unconsciously brushed his profane shoulder and eagerly said oh art his father truly sweet heaven grant it be so then wilt thou fetch him away and restore me his father i know not what thou meanst i but know i am thy father as thou shalt soon have cause to oh jest not palter not delay not i am worn i am wounded i can bear no more take me to the king my father and he will make thee rich beyond thy wildest dreams believe me man believe me i speak no lie but only the truth put forth thy hand and save me i am indeed the prince of wales the man stared down stupefied upon the lad then shook his head and muttered gone stark mad as any tom o bedlam then collared him once more and said with a coarse laugh and an oath but mad or no mad i and thy gammer canty will soon find where the soft places of thy bones lie or i'm no true man with this he dragged the frantic and struggling prince away and disappeared up a front court followed by a delighted and noisy swarm of human vermin end of chapter four read by alvin price